You may be seated. I'm going to invite my dad to come, Mark Sluka, and he's going to preach for us this morning. Thank you, David. And a wonderful worship team. Isn't that great music? Yeah. Music is one of those wonders that uh, I can never really truly get a hold of how God puts music into people's hearts and minds. They write it, compose it, though it didn't exist before, and then we get to enjoy it. It goes right down into our souls. Now, uh, I'm not wanting to make this an exercise program, but if you're able to stand while we read uh, Psalm 1, we're going to be talking about that this morning. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Lord, we thank you for giving us your eternal and living word. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. You make it alive to us by giving us rivers of living water flowing in our inmost being. Would you help quicken and enable me today to be an instrument to deliver your word, your living word, rather than just my own gibberish, so that all who can hear it today might be blessed. Thank you for hearing and for answering this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So it's my hope in the next uh, 30 minutes or so, which goes by pretty quickly, to uh, share a little bit about the meaning of this passage, but also uh, to share with you how it is that God has worked uh, some of these truths and realities in my own life in hopes that you too can be uh, blessed by hearing it. So uh, I have a bunch of notes here. And I found out yesterday as I went through them that there were way more than 30 minutes worth, so I'm still going to stick to that 30 minutes. In the first service, we only got through the first three verses, and that's okay if that's what happens. And I don't know what's going to happen this time around, because uh, new truths and passages keep coming to me uh, faster than I can do anything. So, Pastor Mike, if you're listening to this, I don't know what's going to happen here. And I apologize ahead of time for when the deacons call you and say, we told you, you shouldn't have let that crazy nut get up there. (laughs) So now you get to do damage control. But uh, I was asked uh, to preach on whatever I wanted to preach on, and I did not want to be left to myself and come up with my own hobby horses or things that I'm used to or comfortable with, 
So uh, was Pastor Mike chose this passage for me. So thank you, Pastor Mike. It's actually an easy uh, passage to speak on. Damien, I see you back there. The same kind of thing happens to you where you're going along and different truths come together like they've never had before. I learned this in our men's uh, group that um, I was invited to, very happy to be part of that, uh, Alan and friends, because we come together to talk about uh, the Word of God and how to apply that in our lives and how to uh, meditate upon that and live it. And I have a good time doing that. You know, this passage says that blessed is the man uh, who does this kind of thing. Man, of course, meaning mankind. Men and women. God created man in his own image. Male and female, he created them. In this day when there's all this concern about uh, gender identification. But blessed, it's not a word that I normally use. You could say blessed, you could say blessed. Uh, I usually use words like happy. It's considered to be kind of a synonym. Happy is the man. Uh, you wouldn't want somebody who is trying to preach to be all long-faced religion, would you? Uh, not if you enjoy the Word of God. Uh, I enjoy uh, this Word and talking about it and thinking about it. And when the Lord applies it to my life and a truth or revelation comes to me. Uh, sometimes we use the word lucky. And uh, I know that there's people who will right away say, Oh, there's no such thing as luck. Yeah, I know that. But uh, lucky can be either literal or figurative. If I hit a hole in one, in fact, if I could even hit the green, that's lucky for me. But uh, when Naomi and I talk to each other and I say, I'm lucky one, and then she says, I, I'm lucky one. And then I say, I, I'm lucky one. Uh, that's the figurative sense, and it speaks of being fortunate, blessed happy. Of course, we do that all the time. And the happy man, the blessed man, who meditates on God's word night and day, is described in, first of all, what not to do. These three things of not to do. First, well, let me back up a second and look at some verbs here. We are not to walk, stand, sit, doing evil activities. Verbs, meaning that this takes our whole life, this pervades our whole life. And uh, it's kind of like the D6 thing, which when I first started coming to Rock Prairie, I had to find out what's D6. And of course, it's Deuteronomy 6, uh, which has a great emphasis upon the scriptures in the home and in families and how children are raised and how uh, the scriptures and the truths are integrated into our daily life, and that's very important. We uh, did not call ourselves a D6 family, and uh, the Lord knows there's plenty of uh, challenges along the way, but I can tell you that I'm so happy and blessed uh, to watch my family now as they're all grown and moving along. Uh, each of my four married spouses that love the Lord and are following the Lord and are endeavoring to raise their children uh, in the ways of the Lord, not without trial, not without tribulation, as you all know, living here on the same earth than I do. 
But uh, when you read in Deuteronomy 6 and verses 6 and 7, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, your whole day, your life, is to be filled with this Word of God. Not just reading it, not just hearing it, uh, but living it. And uh, so it is with the idea of meditating on the Word of God. So if, if I were to try to meditate on Scriptures the way the first vision might come into your mind, like some sort of monk meditating, I wouldn't get anything done. And uh, the bill payers would come along and looking for their money, and I wouldn't have any because we have to do things. I was uh, mentioning this in the first service about how uh, I find it humorous when I see one of these service trucks with uh, the slogan on the back of it, safety is my goal. So safety is my goal. So meaning that if I stay at home, lock the door, sit on the couch, fold my hands, I will have achieved that goal for the day. And it really should be uh, my goal is to build houses safely or, or to do whatever they do to accomplish these things safely, efficiently, economically. And so it is with meditating on God's Word. We can't just sit around all day like monks. That's part of it. We read, we fellowship, we think about, we pray about the Word of God, but then we go about our lives. And if that word of God doesn't come with us, we're not really meditating on his word night and day. So the first thing that that blessed person uh, stays away from or is the opposite of is what I actually was one time, walking in the counsel of the wicked. Counsel of the wicked is any philosophy that's contrary to God's word and God's truths. And uh, there was a time when... I could care less about the Bible. In fact, I thought it was a nice fairy tale. So, uh, and I didn't get saved until I was age 20. So you know how smart everyone thinks they are before they get to that age. And so I was uh, so wise. In the community college that I went to, I took a number of classes uh, by liberal scoffers, uh, unbelievers, atheists, and uh, philosophy class. So I can remember I hung around with some pretty motley characters in those days. And I was all proud of the philosophy that I had learned in this philosophy class. Went over to a friend's house, and uh, what, a, what a place this was. Uh, the guy's mother, his, uh, her nickname amongst us was Lizard. And uh, so it was a place where beer cans were everywhere, you know, uh, and everything else. You look in the refrigerator, you'd find things, if you opened the lid, you'd never want to look in there again because it was all fuzzy. And I was espousing my great philosophies to Lizard one day, and after listening to it all, she said, you know, uh, that philosophy is a bunch of BS, except she used the words. And uh, even though I wasn't following the Lord yet, didn't know the Lord, she kind of used that to pop my bubble. And amongst the other counsel of wicked that I was following, 
with a book called How to Be Your Own Best Friend. The essence of the book was you don't need people, you don't need authorities, let alone something like God dictating to you uh, what's going to make you happy. You uh, can make you happy by feeling what's right for you. How many people do you suppose follow that philosophy today? I'm telling you that's the counsel of the wicked. But I thought it was so smart. But time went on, and as I followed the counsel of the wicked, my life began to go downhill. And uh, the first thing that happened was, it was about age 19, uh, I dropped out of that uh, community college. And uh, so then I just worked part-time at uh, UPS, hung around with bums and motley characters, uh, some pretty crude people. And uh, I couldn't tell you that I was happy. I was not happy. I had no purpose. I had no direction. I was looking for meaning in life. I didn't believe Christians at the time. I thought Christians were all just a bunch of hypocrites. Many people think that. That's because I had my eyes in the wrong direction. Uh, I was looking at people and didn't know the truth yet. I didn't belong to the kingdom of God, and I didn't belong to the world. I was like a, I was lost. Lost and following the counsel of the wicked. I lived in a home where my folks had divorced when I was at age 16. And uh, so my father left. And I would have to say that that was probably the saddest day of my life. When I... <sighs> when he packed his bags and he left our house. And then my older brother, 19, got involved with all kinds of drugs and the wrong people. He left the house got tangled up with the law. And, uh, and then my grandmother, who was also in our house when I was raised, she passed away, and so it was down to my mother and myself. And uh, at that age of 19, I was in, at odds with her, had a big fight, so I was simultaneously kicked out while leaving with whatever I could get out the door with in my arms because the door was locked after me. So I headed out to my old beat up Chevy Impala where you, the right side was bashing, you couldn't even open the door. The tires were so bald and the thing was so crummy looking that I got pulled over by a cop one day just to, to tell me that my car was a wreck. And I lived in that car for two weeks. Uh, tried to open my little cans of sardines or whatever I could get of in there. Uh, tried to find wherever I could to rinse out my clothes. Had a little laundry line where I could hang my clothes in my car. Wasn't that wonderful? Following the counsel of the wicked, my own great ideas, my own philosophies. But things started looking up. I got to a point where I was able to live on people's couches in their uh, living rooms, maybe for a week or two, whatever they'd put up with me for. And then I'd move on to the next person's house. I was a vagabond. I was a sojourner in a foreign land, <laughs> not knowing God, but not being part of the world either. And finally, even though I had been working all along, I finally scraped up enough money to uh, rent a two-bed apartment, crummy little place. And uh, it was in that place, that crummy little apartment, God just timing 
They had a group of three people, three men on a visitation team uh, came. There's stories in between this. I'm just trying to give you the Reader's Digest version of it. They came to that crummy little apartment of mine with crude pictures on the wall and an overflowing ashtray and beer cans. And they explained the way of the Lord to me, the gospel, which I had heard before, but the Lord, uh, it wasn't his time. He touched my mind to understand this simple gospel, that the trouble that the world was in, that the trouble that I was in, because it was because that we had sinned and turned away from God, but that he had made a way for us to come back to him. For whatever reason, it was his timing. It was my time to understand that. My, my heart burned within me. And they invited me to pray with them, which is very strange. Four men in the room, three of them, they wanted me to do one of these jobs. It was very strange, very awkward. But I did. I did because something was happening inside of me. All of my skepticism, all of my philosophies were rolling away. The thought that my sins could roll away with them. And that that the living God could actually come into me and live with me. Take my sins away. Take that guilt, take that fear of death away and come and live in me. God gave me grace to take that in by faith that day. It wasn't on my calendar. I had no idea. September 25th, 1975. I was 20 years old, so if you want to do the math, that was a long time ago. And so the next day, I got up and I looked in the mirror, and uh, I looked the same, but I said, you know what, You're the, apparently you are the righteousness of God. And so life went on. Uh, I went to church services, and I actually found myself enjoying myself. The Christians that I had stayed away from before, I was happy to meet with them. I went to some of the, uh, the young people's uh, groups, had a wonderful time. And I would come home from work and sit in my crummy little easy chair, looking at the coffee table where there was pieces of ceiling tile from where the mouse had uh, dug a hole and um, dropped them on the on the table, but I had a little New Testament. It was called Good News for Modern Man. Any of you remember that version? Good News for Modern Man. And so I'd have a beer in one hand, because that was my habit. I'd come home and I'd drink a few beers every night, three beers or four. And, but this time I had this Good News for Modern Man in my hand. And so I popped my beer and I'm reading it along. And suddenly I realized that this beer that I had popped was now still full, but lukewarm. But I was reading this, and my heart was filled with joy. And did I do that? Did I institute some great discipline in my life? Some rigorous, monkish meditation? No. I tell you that God 
changed me. So one thing I want to get across is that this matter of delighting in the Lord is something that God does for us. He changes our desires. He gives us that delight. I have the time of my life. You know that David and Annie live right next door to us. Maybe some of you don't know that. Every once in a while, he'll come over to borrow a bottle of ketchup or whatever. And we'll get in these discussions. Now, because we both delight in the law of the Lord, the word of God, and in Jesus. Remember, he is the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word became flesh, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So Jesus is the living word. So we, we delight. We have a great time talking about this. So then about a half hour or so later, he'll show up at home with the bottle of ketchup. Right, Annie? <laughs> and so sorry about that. Delighting in the law of the Lord. But then, so, so that's what happens when you are following the counsel of the wicked, but it isn't the end of the story for you. It's not the so, end of the story for a son and daughter who may be right now uh, following the counsel of the wicked and you, who you see. Because if any of you would have seen me at those times, if any of you had known my family, they'd have looked at me and they would have felt sorry for my parents. And they, said, they would have said, what a horrible tragedy uh, to raise uh, a son and have him turn out the way this guy, a total, complete sinner, loser. But as you know, because you're listening to me here today, that was not the end of the story. Because as the saying goes, our God is able to save from the guttermost to the uttermost. And this is a living word. So he changed me. He gave me a delight uh, for the things of God. To, to delight is to take pleasure in. So I have fun. I have fun talking to you about this. I have fun thinking about the Lord uh, day by day. And... Uh, I'm going to skip probably a couple of pages here. This is going to be different from uh, the first service because I missed half of the things I wrote down. I wrote a bunch of things down because I didn't want to be presumptuous or test the Lord. But I don't do very well with notes uh, because things tend to happen. And I'm not going to uh, waste your time or run over time. So uh, verse 3, what happens to this one who delights in the Lord? Mind you, the Lord doing this delight, not us doing a lot of work. We engage in it. We're part of it. But it's like the Philippians passage. Uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. How and why? Because it's God at work in you to will and to do uh, his will for his purposes and pleasures. So God does this work. Jesus said it's a narrow road that we should take. It's a hard road. It's a difficult road. Why is the road that leads to destruction? Many go on that. So we're going down a, a difficult or a narrow road. Yet at the same time, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't it wonderful to have a light heart? If you don't have one, you can get one. Because I didn't earn this. I didn't deserve this. 
I am not Mr. Spiritual Superhero. The Lord has done wonderful things for me. Some of you may recall the, the story about Jesus casting uh, the demons out of a man, demon-possessed man. And the demons went into a flock of pigs, or a herd of pigs. The pigs went so nuts that they went off a cliff into the water and they drowned. And uh, the man then, because of being so happy about what Jesus did for him, he begged Jesus to be able to follow him. And Jesus said something surprising. He said, no, uh, but go and tell everyone what the Lord has done for you. Just go and tell everyone. So uh, all of you here have a story. I know that there's so many of you that love the Lord and you are able to tell friends, neighbors, family members, enemies, what the Lord has done for you because it's a living word. And uh, I'm going to bring an account to you that I was not able to deliver this morning. First part of my daily life, what happens to me, uh, and it's a mix. So, Alan, you may recall that uh, I disclosed to you some of my, one of my biggest struggles in life is dealing with tailgaters and speeders. So I get all mad and fixated upon them. And wouldn't you know it, I have an over-an-hour commute each way to work and back, uh, down 31, 465, and so forth. So I have this great struggle going on every day. And uh, the Lord will complete this work that he began in me. I, I'm convinced of that, that that's going to be taken care of completely. Uh, in fact, there's been some times where I've said, Lord, would you just enable me uh, to get to that next stoplight without calling somebody something. And then 30 seconds later, completely forgetting that and calling somebody something I shouldn't and then having to repent. So uh, during that, um, and then at the same time, trying to uh, listen. I have an audio Bible, so I listen to that audio Bible. So I get through the Bible about once a year, typically, uh, through the whole Bible, and that's been now for like 46 years. So it's, it's all in there somewhere. It's all percolating around. And uh, this week, just before I left on that commute, uh, Alan, I was reading one of the passages in our men's group, the Every Man's a Warrior, the John 15 passage about uh, Jesus with, I am the vine and you are the branches. Uh, if you abide in me, and, I, and my word abides in you, then you will bear much fruit. This is to my Father's glory, he said, that you bear much fruit. He wants us to all bear fruit. Is he talking about an apple tree in your backyard? No. He's talking about the fruit of the Spirit, I think, basically. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Do you think we could do those things on our own? Do you think we could do those things without abiding in Christ? And it's so similar to this Psalm 1 of meditating on the Word, that is, God's Word is in us and working in us night and day, and we begin to bear fruit, and our roots go deep. And when tribulation comes, unbelievers can see our responses and wonder, wow, there's a God in heaven. So 
for years, I've made this John 15 passage part of my prayers. I have a lot of chicken prayers, I call them. Things I'm afraid of, I lift up to the Lord. Because the psalmist said, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. So every day I have fears, I lift them up to the Lord. So then I won't be subject to fear of men, only of the Lord. And so I pray, Lord, would you give grace? Using the Lord's prayer as kind of an outline in my own mind. Uh, when I get to give us this day our daily bread, Lord, because we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, Lord, would you give me, as part of this daily bread, grace to abide in you, not to depart. Keep me close so that I can bear a great fruit for you. Actually, it's so that we can. I'm praying like for my whole family too and all these people that I lift up. And in the work that I do, uh, it's amazing that I even have the job. I probably shouldn't have the job. And I say, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing here. Would you help me today? Would you give me wisdom? Because James said, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of the God, and God will give him. So I take him in his word, and I pray that, and I lift up the people that I'm reporting to and ask God that he would give me wisdom and diligence and insight and skill and favor with them so that they'll believe the gospel. Because, Lord, who's going to believe a loser? Who's going to believe a failure? And uh, so... One day, we were in, a, in the boardroom, and there was a big meeting, big, long uh, boardroom table, and I was sitting about in the middle of it this way, and uh, I'm actually a contracted employee with Aramark. So we were reporting to the hospital executive administration, actually to the, uh, the regional executive administration, what's called key performance indicators, KPIs, indicators of how we are performing for the hospital, for the IU Health. Are they getting their money's worth? And that could be stressful. So when it came to uh, my time to present, I had some PowerPoint slides, and it was amazing, but all the indicators either uh, met or far exceeded what the targets or goals uh, were. And, uh, at the end of giving that presentation, the chief operating officer of uh, the, the suburban region, he said to me in front of everyone, um, to what do you attribute this success? And that was a great open door. And so I said to them, well, if you, if you want the truth, here's what happens. And I told them that every day as I drive to work, I tell the Lord, I don't know what I'm doing, and I shouldn't even have this job. And would you this day give me wisdom and skill and help uh, to bring success and let the success be such that it will draw attention to you and bring glory to your name? And then I told them another truth, and I said that each day I lift each of you up in prayer to the Lord. And that was with one exception an Aramark guy that just flew in for the meeting. And it wasn't quite, yeah, so it wasn't quite the answer that they were looking for, but it was kind of one of those special moments when God brings alive 
his word. So all I had was the Lord. I don't have any special skills or anything like that. I don't have any overwhelming great disciplines that I can brag to you about. All I can tell you is that we have a great, big, wonderful Lord who transforms lives, who gives us rivers of living water, and who makes his word come alive to us. And you know what? I think I'm going to end it there. Uh, I see that if I get into something else, it's going to go over, and I don't want to do that. Would you pray with me?